We're throwing off the filters of tradition and culture to discover what the Bible really says about our relationships, relationships with God, with ourselves, and with others. Welcome to this episode of Relationship Truth Unfiltered. Be sure to stay tuned to the end for a special invitation from Leslie. Welcome. I'm Julie Sedenko here with a special guest. Jessica is a mom of two little ones and was with her husband for almost a decade before she decided it was time to leave. She's here to tell us about her journey from living in a destructive marriage to being a successful single mom. Jessica, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. I was laughing when I read the form that I had you fill out before recording the podcast. You said your world runs on coffee, Jesus, and spicy chocolate. And that it's made entertaining by sarcastic banter. And I was like, I like this girl. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I, my sarcastic side doesn't always come out. It comes out with the people that I'm closest to, but for whatever reason, I just, I love making fun of myself. I feel like it puts people at ease. And frankly, there's a lot about me that I see. And my, my sarcastic side comes out with complete strangers and it totally inappropriate times. And, um, so yeah, that's not always a good thing, but I have fun with it. (laughs) Well, uh, talk to me a little bit about, I read that you kind of knew in the very beginning, like honeymoon stage that things are not going very well. Tell me about some of the problems in your marriage and how you began to see them becoming a pattern. Yeah, I th- I think that even though the pattern wasn't was blatantly shown to me at one point by a counselor, I still didn't recognize the pattern until it was called a pattern once I had gotten into Leslie's materials. But to your question, there there was always something that was off. And I think I really had been sort of trained or learned somehow through the years, through experiences and people telling me things. And then the church that I really didn't get to have a say. And even from the point where I was engaged, I felt like it was more important to honor my engagement than it was to honor myself. And I remember feeling like I'm engaged. I'm basically already married. And so I can't go back on this. Um, Were you thinking about it or wishing you could when you were engaged? Yeah, there were moments that I was. um, We met in the Caribbean islands. We were both working and living there. And the crash of 2008, 2009 happened. We both moved to our respective countries. So we were living countries apart. And can can I ask what country is he from? Sure. He's from Mexico. I'm from Canada originally. Um, And we had this sort of long distance relationship. We had been dating for about nine months, but it was sort of this on again, off again, strange dating scenario. I kind of knew in my heart that I probably shouldn't be dating him. And yet there I was. Well, and let's be real. I mean, you can fall in love with just about anybody in the Caribbean islands, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I suppose. (laughs) That's just a romantic place. 
Yeah, that's true. It definitely is. Tell me during that engagement, what happened that really made you think twice? There, I, I really fell into a bit of a depression when we both moved back to home, if you will. Neither one of us had a job. We left very successful careers in the Caribbean islands and his contract wasn't renewed. And I sort of saw the writing on the wall after, you know, 2008, 2009, the the place that I was working, we were working in development. I was an interior architect. And so things were going to slow down and I saw the writing on the wall and I didn't really want to end up in a position where I couldn't afford to stay, but also couldn't afford to leave. And so in that place where I, I left success, I left a man that I loved, and now I'm living with my mom working at a restaurant. That was really hard for me. Yeah. And so I, I sort of fell into this depression and it was outside of him. And yet he, there was one point where he said, you know, I think you're using that as an excuse. I think it's an excuse for you not to talk to me or not to be available to me. And that just really hit hard and it bothered me. And I couldn't understand why something that originally didn't have anything to do with him was suddenly being turned into this thing that was all about him and nothing about me. So I think that was probably where it hit the most. I did take my ring off for a while, you know, and he wasn't around to see it. And I had these doubts, but I felt like I made this commitment to him. I can't do this to him. And by this, I mean, saying no or breaking off the engagement. So you did go ahead and get married and it got worse. Describe what got worse. Yeah. He ended up being the first one with a good job. So I moved to Mexico. Um, I did speak Spanish at the time. However, it wasn't with the fluidity that I have now after living there for six years. I didn't know my way around. He was working 10, 12 hour days when uh, I would ask for help with something or for him to take me somewhere or any of that. There was always a reason why not. And when I, after we did get married and I ended up getting a job, I was taking the bus, he was taking the car, um, things like that. They're just, we just didn't have the chance to connect. It was like the connection just disappeared and he was off on a new track with his career. His boss was more important. Anyone else was more important than our relationship. In fact, I remember we were in the car going from one location where we were shooting pictures on our wedding day to the wedding location. And someone called him from work. And instead of saying, Hey bud, it's my wedding day. I can't talk to you right now. He took the call and he said, well, I'm actually on the way to a wedding. And that, oh. re- that really hurt. So you're describing a lot of neglect, which hurts. Yes. But there was more than that. There was emotional and even physical abuse. Talk about that. Yeah. So I have a fairly strong personality, which I suppose is a positive thing because it was never fully able to be squashed in me. And as much as I was in pain and as much as I felt that I did not have the right to speak up for certain things, 
my meanness sort of came out anyway. And I would put up a fuss about things. Typically, it was about whether or not I was able to use the car to get to work or if I had to, you know, walk 20 minutes and then take a city bus uh, when I had to get to work before him. It was things like that, things like finances, where I just didn't understand why if I was perfectly capable of making a delicious meal and sending him leftovers or sending him a sandwich to work, why he couldn't take that and instead needed to spend all kinds of money on eating out. And so finances and and my being safe with regards to transportation were things that I would stand up to him about. And that never really went very well. The other thing was with his family or his friends where he thought that if I was not fully completely participating in an event or with people that the way that he thought that I should, there was always an argument to be had. And if I said anything other than, you know, I never did say yes, sir, or anything like that. I never did fully acquiesce, but when I stood up for myself, there was immense anger and I, he usually tried to walk away. And I unfortunately usually tried to get him to stay and talk it out. And those moments of trying to get him to stay and talk it out had instances where I was physically moved. So to our listeners, Jessica and I would both say, if you're chasing him down to talk, that's a bad, bad move. I can tell you that from experience myself. They don't want to talk and they sure don't want to listen. Yes. What happened in 2018? In 2018, I had a new baby and a toddler. And there were a couple of things. Um, my husband was very unhappy in his job. He had a good job. It had great insurance, which was fantastic for having a baby, but with a newborn, he really wanted out. He was convinced that he was going to get fired. So he needed to quit first. And so he went looking for another job, which was fine, except for the fact that what he ended up finding and being offered was something that was half of the rate of pay and based on commission. And I was really scared about that. The insurance was not even remotely as good. We had moved to the States by this point, but we hadn't been here for too long. And there was just a lot. There was a lot riding on finances. You know, as I mentioned before, finances was always sort of a sore spot for us in the first place. And I wasn't in agreement with this. I thought that he should wait a little bit and find something that paid a little bit better or that had a little bit better insurance or both preferably. And there was a moment where my son and I both got sick. I think he was maybe three months old. I think we both had mono Mm. and he would wake up in the middle of the night just screaming And his little throat would hurt and he would not nurse and I could not get the medicine down him. And it would be an hour or more of both of us shaking with fever, crying together because I could not calm him. And I remember looking over at my husband in the bed asleep. He might wake up and roll over 
but there was no, there was no help. There was no compassion. Um, there was no, are you okay? None of that. And it was shortly after that, that my husband made the unilateral decision to take this other job. And I said, I, I don't think this is a good move. And he said, I don't care what you think I'm doing it anyway. That's definitely not good for a marriage, right? <laughs> no, no, it's not. <laughs> so things also began to escalate with your kids. And that that's pretty tough. I mean, it's kind of like as women, we can take it, but you start messing with the kids and it just moves things to another level, right? You know what, Julie, that is exactly what happened. I think, and I say all the time that God gave me my children to save my life. And I know, I know a lot of women say, oh, you know, my kids are God's gifts to, gift to me. And I really think that if I had not had children, I would still be in my destructive marriage and who knows what I would have allowed to happen. But when he would get frustrated or angry with the kids, which was fairly few and far between because frankly, he had very little relationship with them or with me at this point. I was the sole caregiver and everything rested on my shoulders. But there were times when, you know, I had an infant and a toddler and the toddler was potty training. And I remember a time when she asked him to wipe her and I was changing the baby in the other room. And he said no. And she didn't want to wipe herself or whatever. And it turned into this situation where it's hard for me to talk about where he was leaning over her and yelling at her and spanking her on the mm -hmm. toilet. And I remember coming into the room or into the bathroom with the baby in the other room and saying, Hey, can I talk to you outside for a second? And he ignored me. I said it louder. And then I got right up in his face because I was afraid for my daughter. And that was the day where she bolted towards me and he came towards me and there ended up being a hole in the wall and a door that was almost broken. And I was sitting with my children and I was terrified. And the one thing that I did not do that I should have done was call the police. If there's somebody listening right now and there's been broken doors or holes in walls, those are huge, huge red flags. Mm -hmm. And your number one priority needs to be your safety and the safety of your children. There is a domestic violence hotline. It's 800-799-7233. And call that number if you need help. Call the police. Is that taking it to another level? And could there be repercussions and all of this? Again, your priority is safety. Don't let it escalate to where somebody really, really gets hurt. So. I'm sorry that you and your child went through that. There was another situation about a sleepwalking episode with your daughter. Yeah. So 
that particular episode with the door, I can't remember exactly when it was, but I know it was before I had found Leslie's materials, but there was a counselor that I was seeing who recommended the emotionally destructive marriage to me. And I think the sequence of events goes the door episode. And then I read the emotionally destructive marriage when my kids and I were on this extended vacation without my husband. So I was able to read it and I just didn't know whether I wanted to stay well or leave well. At that point, I was still very much wrapped up in the cycle and in fear. And so I read it and I came back and things were sort of the same. And yet I had some heightened awareness. And I remember talking to my counselor about it. And unfortunately, she recommended marriage counseling with the two of us at that point, which I think if anyone's listening who has been around <laughs> Leslie Vernick for any length of time probably has an idea of how that went not well. <laughs> or, we, or anybody who's tried marriage counseling with a destructive marriage knows how that went. No. Yeah. So that did not go well. And things really started escalating because I always thought of the counseling office as a safe space to speak my truth and that I would be honored and that the counselor would stick up for me. And of course, you know, you'd think after nine years of this stuff, various counselors and various situations that I would have learned that that is not the case. However, I'm a little but you stubborn. Always, but you always want to keep hope, right? Yes. I think you do inside know, but to actually come to a place of admitting this won't help, then it's like, well, where else do I turn? Yeah. And yeah. So in around that time, my daughter who was she was pretty little, two or three at the time. She had a sleepwalking episode, but at the time I didn't know that she was sleepwalking. I just thought she had gotten up. And so I took her to the bathroom and she was sort of having this accident and I was talking to her and she wasn't really responding. And so I was getting a little frustrated because I didn't know what was going on. And then all of a sudden she just started bawling. and. I was cleaning her up and washing her hands and I, I wasn't understanding and I was frustrated, but I wasn't, you know, yelling. I was just kind of doing things quietly because I just didn't know what on earth. And I remember my husband coming into the room and going to her and asking me what's going on in kind of this upset voice. And I said, I don't know. She just had this accident. I took her to the bathroom and she's not responding to me. And then she just started crying and he picked her up, walked a circle around me and left the room as if I was not even there. And I allowed him to put her back to sleep. And afterwards I went out and I was really furious. And I said, I feel like you completely just disrespected me, disregarded me. You act as, as if I wasn't even there. And I don't remember exactly what he said, but I remember him laughing at me in this sort of cruel way and just saying, well, maybe you should have handled it better. And at that moment, I, I felt like the last thing that I was good at, yeah. which was being a mom, 
just dissolved before my eyes. And it was almost like in that moment, maybe it was the Holy Spirit, maybe it was the enemy, I don't know, but it was like in that moment, I suddenly knew that she had been sleepwalking because she had had night terrors before. And I, I really felt like I was worthless. I, I was so disappointed in myself that this is the only thing that I can do and I'm not doing it well. And so that there were, it was about a week where things were really, really dark for me. And I remember imagining myself on the freeway, pressing my foot against the gas, lifting my hands off the wheel and bracing for impact. And I think the only thing that stopped me from doing that were actually three things were, you know, my kids and my dad who was staying with us at the time. And so he was someone who I could just say, I need you to drive this week. And he didn't ask any questions. He just drove. And I think that- you were really afraid that you might do it. I really was. I did not want to hurt my kids, but I did not want to be around anymore. Wow. Again, if there's somebody listening right now and you're identifying with this emotion and you're feeling like you don't want to be here anymore, you need to get safe because that's just not not the direction that's going to solve any problems. It's just going to create more for your family. And so again, get emotionally safe, get physically safe, whatever it is that you have to do. How did you get safe? How did you get from that bottom to where you are today? You know, it's funny because I don't actually consider that to be bottom. And that wasn't bottom. Oh my gosh. I often say that, you know, I feel like when we talk about hitting bottom, in my mind, at least until this experience, I had this idea of like this V and it's like one little touch point and you're there and then you start climbing up the other side. But since my experience, I say bottom is a long, dark, very wide place. And I would say bottom for me lasted at least a year possibly more like a year and a half. But that experience did show me, I think there was enough in me that was stubborn and that loved fiercely, loved my kids. I still fiercely love my kids. And like I said before, I think they saved my life. And I just refused to let that be their story. Yeah. And it was... I can't say that it was anything other than the Lord because I swear I did not get a single email from Leslie Vernick until that happened. And then all of a sudden I started getting these emails and I think she was talking about empowered to change at the time, but I clicked on something and it took me to conquer. And I don't remember, maybe there was more to it than that, but that's what God had for me. So I joined conquer and it was terrifying at first. But it started this long, slow, devastatingly torturous process of my creating a plan to leave. And I think I had really just been waiting for permission. 
which sounds ridiculous because nobody can give you permission to do anything. You, you decide, you give yourself permission, but it was like, I hadn't given myself permission until I dug into Leslie's materials and understood that the God that I thought I had of rules and submission and, and you're not allowed and, um, just the suppression or oppression, that's, that's not the God of the Bible. And that is certainly not the God that I serve now, who is a God of love, who loves me, who loves my children, who loves my ex-husband more than he loved what was going on in our marriage. When you first got into Conquer, you know, Leslie always says, if you stay, stay well. And if you leave, leave well. So the focus is really on each woman doing her individual work on herself, whatever she decides, whether it's to stay or go. In your case, you, I know initially wanted to stay well, but it became clear that you needed to leave well. How did you come about making that decision and how did Conquer help you? I think I was undecided. I'm not sure that I ever really wanted to stay well. I think I was afraid to leave. And what I ended up doing was really giving myself the task <laughs> to watch a Conquer video and do the worksheet at least one every single day. And so I did a lot to set that up. I, I had to sleep train my son, who was just over a year at that point, um, so that I could have that time in the morning. And I used to get up early and do this stuff in the kid's bathroom with the door locked and a towel stuffed under the door, you know, just in case. Would um, he have retaliated for you studying this? Um, I don't. I mean, he was so oblivious to everything that wasn't anything related to him that I, he didn't notice. I mean, he really, he didn't even notice on the credit card statement until we were already separated well over a year later. But there was a lot of fear that was perhaps unfounded, or perhaps it was just to make sure that I was taking the correct precautions. So I would consider that that was me doing my work. I really dug into the material and I started putting things in action. I remember one of the first things that another lady in the group suggested was to try and find a counselor from a women's shelter, a domestic violence shelter. And so that's one of the first things that I did. Now, of course, they were booked up three months out. But I put something on the calendar and I followed through with it and I started, I had the opportunity to make a little side income with a couple of different things and it was really hard and I, but I started doing it anyway. I started consulting with attorneys on the sly and just asking a bunch of questions and every single time I would have an appointment, I would feel like I wanted to throw up and my stomach would be in knots. And along with that, I started speaking up and setting boundaries. And I wasn't really speaking up and setting boundaries at that point in hopes that he would change. I think by the time that I joined Conquer, I knew there was no changing him. 
but I was speaking up and setting boundaries as a way of proving to myself and showing myself what reality was. Leslie talks about the C in core strength being committed to the truth. And that was sort of my way of uncovering the truth. And when I would stand up for myself, I would be very cognizant of his responses. I would go and I would write them down. And sometimes I would ask for feedback in the group. And it was just more of what I already knew, but now I had things in black and white. Tell me about some of the boundaries that you set and how you started to speak up just so that our listeners can know what that looks like. So I remember there was one evening, I I actually started attending divorce care when I was still living with him. And so that was one thing that I said, you know, I'm going to go out every Tuesday evening from this time to this time. And I need you to watch the kids. I need you to be home on time and I need you to watch the kids. And for the most part, he would. It was not easy for me because my children would cry and scream for me when I was leaving. I forced myself to do it because I knew that I had to put my own oxygen mask on first. And so that was one of the things that Uh, I started doing, I said, if you cannot do it, I will find a babysitter. Luckily, I didn't have to. However, there was one moment where he was mad about something and he said, I'll be home when I'm home. And so I didn't know if I was going to have care for my kids and my mom happened to be visiting. And so we decided that we would cook dinner and we would take the kids with us. And if there wasn't childcare available at divorce care, my mom would watch them in the hallway. And when we got home that night, he was not impressed. He basically thought you didn't make dinner for me. And I said, I would be here and I'm supposed to be watching the kids. And I just said, you know what? You did not give me any indication as to whether or not I could count on you. And I am going to take my Tuesday evenings. Good for you. That's a great example. And Conquer, I know, really does help you in defining boundaries and knowing boundaries. It's not just a place where you get into a Facebook group and complain about your husbands. This is a place where you do your own work. Mm -hmm. It is a place where you can begin to see the truth. And this community will definitely hold you accountable to doing that. And, um, it's, it's a, it's a good place to be for anyone who's going through something similar. Mm-hmm. If you could offer one piece of advice to a woman who's listening and in a similar situation, what would you say? My advice is always going to have to do with children <laughs> just because that has not only been my lifeline, but also just my passion in coming out of something like this. I would say that I have seen women successfully stay well and protect and empower their kids in the process, but it really depends on how regulated you are able to be in that situation. And I know for myself, I knew fairly early on that I could not, and it hurts to know 
that I, I enabled and I even contributed to some of the destruction that my children experienced while I was still living at home. And I say that because I, that is me being committed to the truth. And I don't say that in a ton of regret. It's unfortunate. However, I have been able to work on repairing and improving the relationships with my children and empowering them as they still have to go back into the dysfunction when they have parenting time with their dad. And that is possible too. And the other thing that I will say is that in my experience, and I have stuck, you know, in the Conquer Facebook group, and I have talked to women who are not in Conquer and all across the board in these similar situations. Typically, what I see is that if, unless you have a very clear cut, open and closed, irrefutable case of documented child abuse, it's very unlikely that the courts are going to help with your plea for protection and more parenting time for yourself and less parenting time for your destructive spouse. My recommendation, my this is just my personal recommendation, is you'd be better off saving your money, your time, and your energy and your emotional strength for yourself and building those relationships with your kids and learning how to regulate yourself and regulate your children than fighting a very likely losing battle over parenting time in custody. I just see 50-50 happen way too much and way too automatically. And I see women fighting and fighting and fighting and losing that fight. And it breaks my heart. I chose to go a different route. My choice is not for everyone. And there are women who have won that court battle. But in my experience, it's considerably, the percentage is considerably less than, than those who just expend so much energy and lose. Um, so I guess I, boy, that's a lot of advice, <laughs> but I guess I would say, to women, you know, you, you can empower your kids. You can help your kids. And if your children are what is driving you to seek help, allow that to be your motivator. And whether you stay well or leave well, if you can stay regulated, if you can do your own work, then you can help your children and you can break the cycle. Share one big lesson that you learned in Conquer, the one that really stands out that you remember and have applied to your life. Yeah. God does not care more about the institution of marriage than he does about the individuals within it. I swear that's probably verbatim what Leslie says at some point somewhere because it hit me so hard and it freed me to become a child of God again and mm -hmm. a child that is deeply, madly crazy about her daddy yeah, and being able to see the way that he loves and cares for me and my children. Friends, God loves you. He loves you. Does he care about your marriage? Absolutely. 
but he doesn't care more about your marriage than you. How are you different today than before you came across Leslie's teachings? I would say 180 degrees of difference. (laughs) I'm thriving. I love who I am as a woman, as a friend, as a mom, and as a child of the King. I've grown bolder and stronger in almost every aspect of my life. And it's interesting because there's a group of ladies, a conquer ladies locally that I hang out with regularly. And they knew me when I was still living with my husband and they continue to know me now. And one of the main things that they have consistently said is, oh my goodness, Jessica, you're so bold, which is interesting. And at the same time, while other people notice that, I think the most noticeable difference is in my parenting because I did not know how to connect with my kids while I was in utter turmoil emotionally with my marriage. And since I've left, I've studied and researched and taken classes and practiced so many different ways of relating to and connecting with my children. And I have been able to create that safe and loving space for my little family as a single mom. And our home is now not governed by fear. It's not governed by rules and regulations that are hard, that are harsh. It is led by fierce love and dangerous faith in God and courage. And I have made great strides in empowering my kids to continue to face that dysfunction when they go into their father's home and spend time with him. And one of my passions is just sharing all of the things that I've learned on this journey. And I'm still learning on this journey. My children are still young, so I have not arrived by any stretch of the imagination, but I just love to share it with other moms so that we can all work towards collectively breaking the cycle of abuse in our families and in our society. What you say is so powerful, Jessica, because sometimes when you're in a destructive marriage, you can feel so trapped. You can feel like I don't have any choices. What can I do other than divorce him? But there are things that you can do. You can work on yourself. There's plenty of work that you can do on you and that will make you a better, more healthy person, as well as a better mother. And I think your story is really proof of that. You did a lot of work that had nothing to do with your husband. Mm -hmm. And yet look at where you're at today because you were willing to do that. Yeah. It's not easy. It was hard and excruciating at points, but it was really worth it. Jessica, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Relationship Truth Unfiltered. Have you ever wondered how long you should keep hoping for a destructive spouse to change? And how will you know his change is real? Leslie is going to answer these questions and a lot more in a free live webinar on April 13th at noon and 7.30 Eastern. Go to lesliewernick.com forward slash free training to register. You must be registered to attend. And one more thing. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode of this important podcast. Until next time, may God bless your relationships with him, with yourself, and with others.